Welcome to episode eight of the Leveled Up podcast. I'm Sarah Flannery. I'm Megan Johnson. And I'm Danae Austed. Today we had the sheer pleasure of interviewing Kaylee Canavan. She came in and discussed how to be a confident woman in a male-dominated industry. We also talked about imposter syndrome, how to be a mentor and take on a mentee, and boundaries. Hope you guys enjoy. I am so excited to have a phenomenal, um, not only businesswoman, but I have become uh, recent friends with her, and she is quite the amazing woman. We are here tonight with Kaylee Canavan, and she is uh, president of... Canavan Siddle and Associates. I'm like, I couldn't remember your grandfather's last name, <laughs> yeah. but yes. Um, and she is going to talk to us today um, about being a confident woman in a male-dominated industry. And this isn't specifically one industry. This is kind of across the board um, for a lot of things. So, Kaylee, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, well, um, I am an accountant. I am the president <laughs> of uh, my accounting firm that I established in 2013. Um I really like working with women-owned businesses and um, other small businesses in the area, and I have a team of almost entirely women besides my grandfather, who <laughs> only works part-time, but he's not super communicative about which parts, so... Um... <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, yeah, so uh, for the most part, our team is all women, and so it's um, it's a constant challenge for us to learn how to navigate what is uh historically a good old boys club of an industry and kind of change the game in that and it's actually been kind of surprising how many people resonate with not wanting to work with a good old boy yeah um so yeah that's that's me and that's how I fit in this conversation well before we go into the conversation I want to ask tell me how you got here to being an accountant uh, we joke in the office that you don't choose the accounting life. The accounting life chooses you. <laughs> Mortgages are the same way, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually, um, before I was an accountant, I worked in the music industry. I was uh, in the box office for one of the largest concert promoters in the world, um, working in the Denver ticketing department. And... Um, Loved it, absolutely loved it, but I hit the glass ceiling at like 15 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. And um, while I was deciding, uh, that's not me, that's a cute puppy. Um, (laughs) While I was deciding what I wanted to do with my life, uh, my grandfather needed some help at his accounting firm. And I sort of became an accidental bookkeeper and caught the bug and really loved it. So went back to school and the rest is history, I guess. Well, that's pretty great. And I tell me, I know when we talked a little bit about one of the things that you found pretty helpful after realizing that bookkeeping was like checking all the boxes for you and you didn't actually think that that could happen outside of the music industry. And then when you like kind of came back and you were telling people about what you were doing, you obviously did a bang up job at what you did in the music industry because one of the first things that you said was that a lot of the people that you work with like were like, oh sweet, I totally need a bookkeeper and accountant. And they were just like coming out of the woodworks for you. Yeah, fortunately I've always taken my reputation pretty seriously. Yeah. So in anything that I've ever done, I've always tried to be the best at it. Um, which I have no misconception that I'm the best accountant, don't get me wrong, but um, 
I, I take my work really seriously and I focus on quality whenever possible. So when I made the transition to accounting and I started telling my music industry connections about that, they were like, oh, you should do my taxes, you should do my books, you should do my payroll. And um, the more that I started to do that, the more they were referring other music industry people. And so I was sort of coasting off my reputation from the music industry into this new yeah. career. Right. Um, and uh, it's allowed me to still feel like I have a great connection with the music industry, even though I'm not working shows right. 250 days a year anymore. Right. So I think that that's um, really awesome. Did you feel like in the music industry that it was a pretty male-dominated industry as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, in the box office, not as much. We jokingly called ourselves Tixies because... Um, <laughs> I kind of love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cute. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like... So for the nice. most part, box office, in my experience, was mostly women um but the industry in general most of the power players most of the decision makers are definitely men and so uh learning to hold your own and get respect from those people as you're yeah. working with them uh i think is part of what laid such a good foundation for me to be in charge of a firm in a male-dominated yeah. industry as well absolutely yeah so to kind of um, link in about how you have now become CEO and president of your company, I know you started working for your grandfather. And yes. that was in that kind of good old boy fashion. Yeah. Um, what are some of the key points that you really gathered that made you kind of branch off and then make your business as successful as it is today? Well, I spun off on my own because I was sick of doing things a certain way just because that's the way that they'd always been done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I felt like professional accounting should be accessible to small business owners and it shouldn't be cost prohibitive and that, um, if people really understood the value of accounting, then they would understand why it's worth paying for. Yeah. hundred percent. And, um, <laughs> I also kind of wanted to reinvent the small firm business in that a lot of small firms, uh, they act more as like historians than actual partners in helping you to build your business. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the relationship with an accountant will just be, um, give me all your tax documents. Here's your tax return. Go Broncos. See you next year. Right. And uh, <laughs> I believe that in order for us to have a really great partnership, we should have proactive conversations about what you're thinking about doing so that I can help you to understand the possible consequences of those things proactively mm -hmm. as opposed to just reactively saying like, oops, it would have been a lot cooler had you not done that. Right. Here's the tax consequences of it. So um, my firm, we have a high touch relationship with all of our clients. We're working with them no less than quarterly. A lot of times it's monthly. Uh, a lot of times it's a couple times a week just to make sure that we are a partner in helping them to effectively run their business and their finances, not historians, right. I guess. No, I love that. I think that's fantastic. And I think that was one of the reasons I was so attracted to our conversation um, was having the touches. I think that that kind of gets lost in a lot of the online transactional thing and, you know, breaking the mold a little bit. So tell me a little bit about um, we talked about some imposter syndrome that we could feel as being women in a male-dominated industry, especially in that good old boy feeling. Tell me a little bit about maybe your experience on how you kind of helped get yourself past that. Uh, well, I think 
imposter syndrome is something that a lot of us experience on an ongoing basis that uh, some days you wake up and you're just like, I can't believe people would think that I am an expert in this or that I'm Mm -hmm. worthy of having clients. And like some days are better than others. And so there's been a couple things that have been really key to me in overcoming that on a regular basis. One of them is just admitting that it's like going to happen sometimes and it doesn't necessarily mean anything it's just gonna spring up um I also have what I jokingly call my advisory board which is people who know me well and are straight shooters who will call me on my shit Mm -hmm. and um so when I'm having those moments of like oh my god I'm not gonna land this big client because I'm going into this pitch meeting not believing in myself so why would they believe in me I will call someone on my advisory board before I go into that meeting and be like this is how I'm feeling help me (laughs) Uh, tell me tell me what's real tell me what's not yeah exactly and so sometimes it's my mentor who will say like well you do that for me all the time why wouldn't you be able to do it for someone else or um my coach who will say like what makes you think that you're not capable of that and doing an inventory of what is fact versus what is maybe it's fiction or maybe it's just like a really overblown reality in my head um that helps me to come back into okay this is the real world where i am perfectly capable of handling this i think this is a really important first of all i think it's really interesting that we're talking about this because all of us sitting at this table have or are in a male-dominated work yep And so that's part of the reason I thought it was really important to have you here today because it's 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 unique to your industry, the reasons that it's hard to be in a, a male-dominated industry, but it's universal, the struggles for women in a male-dominated in, industry. So I think those are really great topics to bring up for our audience because if four out of the four women sitting at this table experience it, then our our listeners are 100% are, are experiencing will experience it or have experienced it in the past so I love that you brought up um bouncing it bouncing these things off of people that you trust and we talk about that a lot in in, in at level up we talk about it online we talk about it to each other, to each other. on a general basis <laughs> in the podcast um so do you have specific, because I have certain people that I know, if I call them, they're great cheerleaders for me, but if mm-hmm. I call them, um, I'm just going to get a cheerlead. Yeah, and I don't use those people when I need right. this. Right, because, that's like, real it's, specific. Yeah. It's not my mom, it's not my sister, mm-hmm. um, because they're going to they're gonna want me to succeed to a point that I feel like they have also lost touch with reality <laughs> in those moments where I'm in a downward spiral. I'm like, mom you're crazy. I can't do this. Are you kidding? Um, so for me, it's a lot of times other professionals. Mm-hmm. It's people that I have, it's people I would consider to be colleagues, yeah. not cheerleaders, people who have known me only in a professional context or, uh, my mentor is a close family member, but our relationship at this point is almost entirely professional mm-hmm. because I don't need the cheerleader at that moment. I right. need a reality check. Yeah. Right. You need somebody to be real and honest with you about right. what's going to be in, in a business mindset. And I don't need a fan. I don't want my mom to tell me like, <laughs> oh, you're so great. It's like, that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's, 
such an important distinction in this context because you also need somebody to say, you're right, you need to fix this before you walk into that meeting. Yep. You need to fix this before blank happens. So I think that's really important because sometimes we're surrounded by great, loving, supportive people that want to see you successful, uh, but that doesn't mean that they're giving you the best advice. So thank you for bringing that up. That's brilliant it is brilliant yeah I mean a lot of times my imposter syndrome comes up with being a leader for my team and Mm. I sometimes feel like oh my god it feels as though these people would follow me into a fire and I don't (laughs) know why and so if I call my mom it's not helpful for her to say well you always have been great with fire like is somebody to say, well, it's because you have a really pragmatic approach or all your decisions are based in logic. And let's talk about this time that you made a really difficult business decision that was based in logic or, you know, whatever it is at the time that I need to like bring up and remember. Yeah, Um, Yeah, you need evidence. You you lead a team too, Danae. I do. I do lead a team and it's an entirely new brand of imposter syndrome. Um, I, I don't know if you remember, I think I sent both of you guys this meme and I'll send it to you too, but it was talking about like, like I have all of these, um, these amazing capable people in my life and they all have imposter syndrome, but I know that they're capable and smart. So it's not real. Not like me, the actual imposter. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Because I feel like we all kind of go through that same like cycle of feelings. Like I know that people feel this, but it's not real for them, but it is for me. Yeah. Because I'm actually it was the called, imposter here. It was called meta imposter syndrome. Meta imposter syndrome. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, I think that's what I experience a lot of the time more than anything else. Um, I think it's it's hard to not feel like an imposter when you're still learning mm-hmm. about things, but how are you supposed to learn things if not by just doing them? But you know what's yeah. fascinating is that Meryl Streep will talk about how she still has imposter syndrome every time she gets cast. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's considered to be the queen of acting. Yeah. So I would how say interesting. that, yeah, for for a lot of us, we want to tie it to being green in our industry or whatever, but you reach a point where you realize you can no longer use that as an excuse, but the imposter syndrome is still there. But yeah, and then it's even it like is multiplied when you look around the room and it's nobody looks like you. Right. And so in this scenario, in this conversation, we're talking about being one of the few women in the room, um, especially one of the few women in decision making um, position. And so it's I think for me, when I was still in the defense industry, that was even harder for me to walk into a boardroom or a conference room and be the only woman in the room and just be like, oh my gosh, they're all going to look at me like who invited this skirt here. Yeah. Um, so I think it for me, it was magnified by the fact that I was almost always the only woman in the room. And I will say that's part of why my advisory board, so to speak, is a lot of men. Uh, it's not entirely men, but a lot of times if what I'm feeling is like, oh, I'm going to walk in and everybody's going to be like, who's this little girl? Because for those of you who can't see me, I'm 100 pounds soaking wet and like five foot one. Um, <laughs> and adorable. And adorable. Soup's cute. But you mean powerful? Um, yeah, and both. powerfully adorable. I am, I am pocket sized. Uh, and so... Uh, totally lost my train of thought. Sorry. That's so, wait, so um, what I was getting at is that 
when I'm feeling imposter syndrome and I feel like it's linked to walking into a room full of men and having them all think of me as a little lady and nothing more, I will call one of the powerful men in my life Mm. and say, this is how I'm feeling. And to hear that person basically just take all the air out of that tire um, is really important. And it, again, it can't really be my husband. Yeah. Um, it has to be someone who sees me in a professional context and not a personal context. Right. That can say, no, you are a strong badass and you're powerful. And it's crazy that you feel that way, but let's talk about it a little bit to work through it. Yeah. Instead of giving it any sort of strength. That's really interesting. Um, I... I like that you that you have people in your life who are, are like that. I guess I have similar mentors um, and almost always men in figure in positions of authority. And I don't I don't know what it is, but I think it's the same thing you're talking about. It just gives a different kind of resonance sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've noticed this a little bit differently, I think, because I mean, for anybody who doesn't know much about me um so i run a financial services practice with my boyfriend so we run a business together and so we're included on a lot of the same things and a lot of the same conversations we're basically on a um i'll say a level playing field and that we have the same opportunities the same resources um you know the same mentors for the most part so it's really interesting to see how that plays out differently for Mm. both of us um And for me, a lot of my imposter syndrome, because if anybody who's not familiar with the specific company and business that I'm in, there's a lot of um, like husband and wife teams, um, especially at the really high levels in the company. And a lot of the times what happens is that one partner is very much like out in front. They're the ones in charge. They're the ones who are kind of the face of their business. And then the other partner is more support and operations. Mm -hmm. And that's not how it is with Cameron and I, not as of right now. Um, but when we do trainings and high level, um, you know, leadership development and things like that, they always include significant others in that. And so sometimes, and I know that this is, this is in my own head. Sometimes I get included because of me and sometimes I get included because I'm a significant other. And sometimes it's really hard to tell the difference. Yeah. So you know, and I know this isn't anything intentional right. by anybody um, or something that I'm sure they ever even really think about, but it's something I think about. You know, why why is it that I got included in this? Um, is it because of my numbers or my personality or my potential? Or is it because they see me as a, Spouse. you know, yeah, a half of a good business, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I love that my business is really, really focused on keeping it, you know, keeping family involved and you know, building something together. I love that. Um, but we, we also get, you know, slightly different feedback, I think, based on just who we are as people. So it's, it's been really interesting. And it's something that I'm still kind of psychoanalyzing every single day is how are we interpreting the same information and the same resources and the same training, but taking this in slightly different directions? Well, and I think the thing you talk about a lot, Danae, is your business was built by men in a male energy, to work in a male energy, to sell in a male energy, to close in a male energy. And that's something that you're working to create your practice very differently. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I'm interested, Kaylee, in your experience on that because that's the accounting world too, right? Yeah, absolutely. So how have you built a business um, in no with that knowledge, I guess, is the question I'm asking. Uh, one of the things that I do and I insist that my entire team does is just be really transparent and authentic in all of our interactions. And so a lot of times... Uh, women in business are more drawn to take a meeting with us because they see that we're a team of women. And um, we have a thing in the office where I'm just super, super insistent that we never talk down to anybody um, mm -hmm. and we never make anybody feel like we are judging them. And that is really a game changer in our industry. I've had so many clients walk in and initially a lot of times they're really embarrassed mm. that they haven't done something about this sooner and they maybe have talked to a different accountant already who make, made them feel some level of shame or something like mm. that. And so um, I jokingly but also honestly say to people all the time, I do a lot of things here, but judge isn't one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and so just, you know, talking to people as a person, as a human, as like, hey, we could totally sit down and have a beer together at the mm -hmm. end of the day if you want to, I think kind of changes the game because I don't think I'm better than anybody else. And right. for women business owners, we already spend so much time out there trying to prove ourselves and mm -hmm. having to put forth the extra effort to feel worthy ourselves and also have other professionals view us as worthy. And so I just try to curate this space that like, it's okay for you to be authentic and it's okay for you to be vulnerable. And um, I think that that's rare for my yeah. industry. Yeah. I would so, verify that's rare for your industry. Uh, I, know I will a hundred percent back that up. And I yes. know this because Cameron and I last year, we interviewed actually 25 um, CPAs, accountants, um, enrolled agents, like anybody who does bookkeeping and taxes, we interviewed literally 25 within like a two week span. Woo! It was rough. Not, <laughs> it, it was boring. rough. It was, it was very boring. And, you know, we were going off of referrals. We were going off of people who, you know, we really wanted to vet, um, you know, that, that kind of a partner because I send out so many, referrals for for that specifically because people start a business usually somebody for taxes and bookkeeping is their very first hire the very first thing that they yes. know they have to spend money on yeah. and I was running into the same problem over and over and over again where I'm working with all of these amazing women but they all have this crazy imposter syndrome and fear of judgment so you know I went through all of these interviews and I'm talking to so much of the time older men because CPAs are like financial advisors. Like the average financial advisor is a 55 year old white guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with people who prepare taxes for the yep. most part. Absolutely. And so conversation after conversation, I was like, this guy's going to be condescending. This guy's going to make people feel stupid for not knowing this stuff already. If somebody cries in front of this guy, they're not going to know for what to do with yeah. any yeah. of this. Right. <laughs> and it was back to back to back. Like people who I'm like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable sending people your way. Also, if you retire in the next 10 years, who, what am I going to do? Just yeah. like, what are my clients going to do? Are they all going to have to change at that point? So, um, I just, you know, I can speak from experience that we're thrilled to find Kaylee in the first place because you're like the anti, 
um, stereotype. Yeah, <laughs> and I, mean, I love for, that. I really do. For a while, my marketing tag was not your father's accounting firm, and then when I purchased my grandfather's accounting firm, <laughs> uh, suddenly that felt really disrespectful. So I dropped it at that time. But, um, <laughs> I'm very deliberate about, you know, you, you can cry and you can be vulnerable and you can say, I don't know any of this. And I will probably just look at you and say, only one of us has to. Well, and that's, that's the whole point. I get this a lot in my business too, in regards to people have so much shame around debt and about this and about that. And they have goals and it's about going in, not being judged. At some point in time, I can guarantee you most of us have had a low credit score, debt, have had to dig themselves out. And when you go in with compassion and you go in with no judgment, authenticity, and a giving mentality, that's something that I think you and I, all all four of us actually have in common is that real go-giver mentality. It just changes the dynamic of that relationship immediately. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, especially when we talk about finances, I think the other thing we have in common is where every one of us digs into the secret financial life of our clients, right? (laughs) And so... um, Every time I know I'm walking into a a client session, a coaching session with a client, and I know that today we're talking about finances or bills or debt or any of that, it's I always take a little bit more time to just center myself and walk in open and prepared because I know it's going to be a emotionally charged conversation because you can't separate the the emotion from the facts and somehow you kind of have to weed through there to to find the answers so I think having somebody with a feminine energy can really help that because you can kind of help them through that process right. of just detangling all that and talking about it um and it's funny as I'm saying this and talking about it I remember when I sat down with Danae uh to move she was rolling over some 401ks for me and my own like I love Danae like Danae's a sister to me, but I still walked into that meeting like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to answer these questions and it's so shameful and she's going to think I'm stupid and how did I get this far? Mm -hmm. And the great thing is, as soon as I walked in the room, I remembered, oh yeah, it's Danae. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, I know her. She's my people. (laughs) I get that. And it was fine, but so I think I'm just trying to be a mirror for you guys also on how much people appreciate that, My, my recent experience with Danae doing that, so... I think that's super, super valuable in this industry. Anytime you're dealing with somebody's finances, that you that you bring that energy and that that transparency and that that openness to vulnerability um, is really, really beneficial. And so, I think the takeaway for us is to continue doing that, but also for our listeners that are in this space uh, to make sure that you're aware of that. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is any of the industries that we're in mortgage accounting coaching finance um it doesn't work if our clients aren't honest with yeah, us so oh, we, we'll yeah. find out it, it doesn't work at all and so let's or save everybody decisions for them yeah let's mm-hmm. save everybody some time and energy and just like if you trust me then we're gonna speak to each other on a level of trust and mutual respect yep. and if not that's not the right fit for me. Correct. And that's another thing that I found a lot of power in in being in a male-dominated industry is remembering that I am picking my clients just as much as they are picking me. I don't have to say yes to every business relationship that comes my way. And in fact, 
um, Merry Christmas. A lot of people get disengagement letters from me this time of year where I've decided that my Christmas present to myself is that <laughs> I'm not going to work with them anymore. It sounds really snarky, but um, you have to hold yourself in high regard and remember yes. that you... If you have a relationship that's making you devalue yourself in your own mind, if, Soul sucks. if having certain conversations with certain people is triggering your imposter syndrome on a regular basis, then you're, you should probably cut off that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, I want to, oh, <laughs> there's a puppy running around here. We're all very no, distracted. No, Jason just did the mind Mind blown. Blown. Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> Also the puppy. I'm distracted and I know that one. <laughs> the other it's puppy. It's okay. I wanted, I wanted the dog here. Um, I want to, I want to backtrack a second because, well, I think that's, that's totally important. And if somebody doesn't trust you, like that's a relationship I don't want. Seriously. And I've had plenty of people come in before and, you know, give me some information and not the rest of it. And mm. I'm like, if you don't trust me, then you're not. I'm not your advisor right. and that's okay. There's power in saying no. We've talked about that um, before with Megan all the time. Um, but I, I wanted to backtrack a little bit because I think you've got some insight on this too. So, you know, I went to a, um, a luncheon downtown the other day and anybody who's in finance or uh, probably taxes as well. Ooh, what a party. What, oh, <laughs> what a party, right? So, <laughs> Um, a lot of times, because I work with a, a million different product providers, and when they want to teach us stuff, when you want to teach financial advisors things, you give them food. Free food. You give yeah. them food. You give them good food. Um, and you talk way over their head about the market and the economy and stuff <laughs> like that. So I go to a lot of these things because um, I like both of those. Um <laughs> So I went, I, and this, is, this isn't a, like, out of the normal occurrence for me. I could probably go to one or two of these things a month. I get continuing education credits. I learn a lot. Like, it's helpful. So the last two or three of these things I've showed up to, um, it's been exactly the same scenario. And I walked, this one was at the, the Ritz downtown the other day. So I walk in, and there's this massive ballroom. And it's basically for all the financial advisors at this company services in the Denver area. And there's probably two, three hundred people in the room. And out of that entire room, maybe 10% was female. Maybe. That's very, very generous. Mm -hmm. And there was probably two other women there. And I, I really looked. I promise I really looked. There were maybe two or three other women in there that looked under 30, 35. Right. Right. So I know that that's not on purpose. I'm aware of that. Yeah. I'm aware that nobody is actively discriminating. The people I work for are awesome. Like they've been very, very supportive, but it still feels weird sometimes. Like I don't belong. Like there's some sort of reason that there aren't enough women there. And within, you know, my industry and maybe yours too, it's really something that I think about a lot is like, is, is it just because like attracts like, is it just because, you know, men uh, have typically dominated finance and so they're attracting more of the same or are there systems in place that just aren't as favorable or how am I supposed to get to a high level within this business if it's really really hard to find models and mentors of somebody who seems like me sure you know so I don't know if that's something you've experienced but it's just you know on my mind lately of not I feel you know left out or discriminated against or alone I, I know that that's not the case right 
but like why why is this still a thing you know so uh when i go to my annual tax update conference um i am by far the youngest person in the room and usually it's like me and two other women who are at least 20 years older than me and then like 500 guys um so i have had that experience and i think that one of the things that it was important for me to realize is that my mentor didn't need to be in my industry yeah it just needs to be a professional who has had similar struggles um so if you're not able to find a mentor in your industry first remember that it says more about the industry than it says about you but then also you can always seek out an advisory board of people that's outside of your industry and sometimes that can be more useful than because i got plenty of good old boys i can ask tax questions of but when i need to know um how should i approach this pitch there's a lot of different people that can speak to pitching a business owner mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily accountants right. um the other thing is that like just because you were drawn to that room there's a lot of facts and circumstances that make it so that maybe other women weren't drawn to that room. So what I've found is that if I don't like the room that I'm sitting in, I need to find a different room. Mm. Um, So that's what made me seek out like the Denver women's chamber and, and things like that level up Mm -hmm. Um, because I was sick of walking into rooms full of men who, even if they did understand my struggles, they didn't want to hear about them. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So nowadays I take almost all of my continuing education online and I spend my networking time and my in-person ground time at places like Level Up yeah. or the right. Denver Women's Chamber. And to, that, that feel your pump. To be more deliberate about, because they say that you're the average of the people who you spend the time right. with. And so, you know, you got to be deliberate about where you spend that time. And our industry is aging out. Which yeah. um, <laughs> is yours too? It is. Yeah, it's yeah. like thirty uh, or thirty-eight percent of financial advisors are retiring within the next ten years. Wow. Which is actually, um, it took me a while to realize that that's such a great opportunity because yeah. Yeah. women don't want to work with a good old boy. Millennials don't want to work with the same person that their dad have been working with forever, mm-hmm. and right. so we just need to spin that as an opportunity whenever possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I really like that advice that it doesn't have to be somebody in your your industry and I think what you're seeking for and the only reason I know this because we've talked about it oh yeah all the time (laughs) um is someone to model um and so if you look at it differently Danae like Kaylee did and say okay so what what are the actual skills that I want to model instead of what is the specific business setup I want to model you're real smart real capable you're gonna figure out how you want to set up all those particulars um on your own you don't need anybody to tell you that yeah i would agree with that well i think um, sorry to cut you off no you're think fine it also takes a, a lot of courage to do exactly what you just said like mm-hmm. you're following you've seen models fit this way this person's had a lot of success and you want to have success as well but this is also channeling who you are as a person down to your being and you can't change your core you can't change that you have this ability to be more compassionate and less judgmental on something than X. You know what I mean? And that's how you enhance your business. Yeah. I, I like I, I think that for me the conversation is even less about 
me personally because you're you're right like I'm I'm pretty capable as a person like I know how to put systems in place to make myself successful even though that takes it takes time right mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm figuring that out the conversation that's that's going through my head most of the time now is what systems are in place that make it difficult for the industry I'm in specifically to att attract and retain more people like me you know, why does the room look like that in the first place? And how do we, how do we change it? How do we adjust that? How do I adjust my attitude, even though I'm being, you know, raised in that environment? How do I change things for, you know, the rest of the women who are looking at an industry like that? Because there's a massive need for more women doing what I do for women doing what you do. How do we change it going forward? How do I model that? How do mm -hmm. I pave the way so that I don't have somebody who would be absolutely amazing within my industry of what I do and walk into that room and say, I don't belong here. Right. You know? So what I would say to that is that uh, you have to be the change you want to see. You, yep. um, I did not have a woman accountant mentor per se, but I do have a mentee. Oh, yeah. She gave me chills. She said that and I was like, oh. <sighs> So, um, she said to me recently, what do you wish someone would have told you when you were in my position? And I was like, holy shit. I wish I, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew. Well, no, uh, right there, right? <laughs> my answer was to put the magnifying glass on the positive things mm -hmm. and learn, but quickly move past the negative things because we're all going to have successes and failures all the time. Yeah. And, um, one of my Cognitive distortions is that I dwell on the failures and I brush past the positives like it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the fact is, is that like, I want to be to someone else what I wish I had had. Mm -hmm. And that may be what your role is. Like you may not be able to find a financial advisor woman who can be your mentor, but you can aggressively seek the education until you're at a point where you no longer feel like it's floating over your head when you go to these conferences. And then you can seek out younger women to take under your wing and say, I'm going to make sure that you never feel the way that I felt as I was walking into these conferences. Yes, yeah, I think that's... That's very good advice. So solid. Thanks. advice. Sage. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on is um, sometimes when I'm in a place of imposter syndrome, I remember this TED Talk that I saw way mm. back in the day. I believe the woman's name is Amy Cuddy. And she talks about how um, your body language triggers brain chemistry in really specific ways. So if you're constantly making yourself small, or uh, slouching, then you're, it's not the same as holding your body in a power position. Mm -hmm. So they studied um, the effects of holding the Wonder Woman pose for mm -hmm. two minutes straight. Oh, I know and it sure. actually um, increases your testosterone and decreases your cortisol. Mm. So it makes you more confident and um, it makes you believe that you are more powerful in a situation and believing is most the battle. So like whenever I'm going into a big pitch meeting where I'm like, this client is way out of my depth and I can't believe I was even invited to be here. Holy crap. Uh, I'll go in the bathroom for a couple minutes beforehand and I'll just stand there. And even if like my brain is like, girl, what are you doing here? I still hold the body language for a while and it, it helps. It, it makes it. Huh. 
That's um, such a good tangible thing to do. Yeah, so check out the TED Talk. Um, it's science, man. It's science. Science. Physical bodiness. I yeah, like yeah. that. I love that. I love that. I do the thing where you pretend you have a cape on. And oh, as you. Yes. And this is like, when I get dressed in the morning, I put my fucking cape on in nice. the morning too, right? Like, that's a visual. Uh, <laughs> she was tying her cape I on, by the way. But as I move through the day, it's my job to make sure that cape is flowing like Superwoman. Right. Not falling down on the side because then I, that like, it changes the way I, I walk, my body posture, yeah. and all of that. And that really that really helps for me, too. Because I recognize that not just for me, which is what we've been talking about. For me, it's helpful to walk in with more confidence. But my clients need me to walk in and represent confidence. My clients need me to, when they're feeling scared about what they're doing next for their business and how am I going to get through this next two weeks or the seasonality of my business, whatever it is, they need me to walk in and say, we're, it's going to be, we're going to figure it out. It's going to be fine. And so I, I, I recognize that part of my job for my clients is to walk in that way. And so for you, Danae, that's your job to walk in for your team, your job to walk in for your clients as well. I'd agree with that. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot that comes from body language. But also, I mean, also for me, I'm really starting to find out that my confidence levels are so, uh, and my energy in general is so, so tied to how I take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the other things that I wanted to, um, to talk about is something that I, and this is just a, you know, a discussion and I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, when we, when we talk about this, I think a lot of times when people have conversations like this, they feel like if you're talking about being a woman in a, in a male dominated industry, whatever that looks like, that it's some sort of a like poor me type situation, mm-hmm. like everything is bad. And that's not the case. It's just recognizing, okay, what's different, right? Right. Are there things in play that I'm not noticing or taking into account? And one of the things that I wanted to ask you guys about, because I think, um, this is something that that I've noticed is that um, female business owners tend to focus a little bit more on self care, and you know if if that means that they're they're actively spending time on working out or spending time alone or whatever that looks like, I feel like sometimes women tend to acknowledge that a mm. little bit more, and I don't know if that's a cultural thing or not. But that's one of the differences that I've noticed. Is that something that you guys recognize is the importance of, you know, I know I'm more powerful if I take time to work out and if I eat, you know, healthy meals and if I drink water and if I take care of myself, which takes a little bit of time out of my day, but I show up twice as awesome when I actually do those things. Yeah. And that's not something that I've heard recognized a lot with people who aren't women that much <laughs> no you know? it's is that real or is it just me no that's a hundred percent real that is the basis of my Didn't entire coaching we were i think we were not talking about this on the podcast but talking about it in a different way where um a lot of men in the finance industry just in general um they will sacrifice everything and not put any attention on themselves, on their family, on anything that actually makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And in the end, when they have gone back and, uh, you know, been looked at life, like I've heard it on End My Let's podcast, where it's just like they focus so much, they've actually missed out on the things that were super valuable. Um, 
that have would have helped their business profit even more, even though they've had a successful business, mm-hmm. it could have elevated things a lot more because their happiness within themselves yeah. was whole and fulfilled. Yeah, and that's a question that I ask every woman that I meet with, um, either in a professional or a personal way. I always ask, so how do you manage? How do you manage all the priorities of your life? And Kaylee and I talked about this when we met. It's like, so how many... Did I say not very well? (laughs) Barely. (laughs) Functioning? No, I think your your response was great because you recognize the seasonality of your business. And a lot of us have seasonality in your business. It so happens that yours and mine are practically opposite. Um, And, uh, well, I guess that's not totally true, but... um, my slow time is around the holidays. Nobody, it's really, really slow for me around the holidays. So I recognize that as a time to, um, in the time that I'm not spending sitting in front of a client, I'm spending on my business or on a moolah, which is really great. Um, but you have really specific boundaries around your time and your priorities. And I don't feel like that they were created overnight. So no. <laughs> talk, talk us through how you came there to where you're at today. Um, okay. So one of the reasons that I chose accounting, I tell people all the time is because there's no such thing as an accounting emergency. So Mm. I tell clients all the time, you will not get my cell phone and you will not have access to me outside of business hours. Um, and that was true from day one for me because my time outside of business hours is how I can keep touch with why I work so hard during business hours. If I don't hold those things sacred, then um, I found early on that I was always half in work mode mm-hmm. and I was never turning it off. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the few times that I was like, oh, well, I just got this push notification of an email. And even though it's outside of business hours, I'm just going to pop into my home office real quick and take care of it because it'll only take a couple minutes. And I found that like I was always kind of half in work mode which meant that even when I was supposed to be fully in work mode, I was still only half in work mode because I was always half in work mode. So I've created that boundary because when I'm at work, I want to be fully at work, 100% devoting my time and energy to my firm and my staff and my clients. And um, when I'm not at work, it is for me and my family. And I'm really staunch in that. And Not every industry has that luxury, but I feel like everybody can have some sort of boundary that they Mm -hmm. set for where their personal life starts and where business ends. And the first couple of years, it was really challenging for me because the first couple of years, all of my clients were also my friends. And so we would see each other at like, <laughs> like yep. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we would see each other at parties or on the weekends or whatever. And they would be like, oh, so can I ask you real quick? And I would actually have to shut it down and be like, no, you can't shoot me an email and we'll talk about it on Monday. Yeah. And so by being really deliberate about what that boundary was for a really long time, it made it easier for me when I did have my daughter and I became a mom and it was it an even bigger priority for me to just uphold the boundary that I had already created there Mm -hmm, as opposed to all of a sudden having to retrain clients. You can't text me on the weekends or, Oh my God, I'm not going to respond to emails at midnight anymore, guys. Like everybody had just come to expect that along the way. And Mm -hmm. so um, now somebody will say like, Oh, I don't think I have your cell phone number. And I'll say, you're right. You don't. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not going to give it to you. Like my receptionist says all the time, if you don't have her cell phone number already, I'm sorry, I can't give it to you. Right. And that's just how it is. I really like that. I think that one of the, um, one of the things I have an issue with is feeling like I always have to be accessible. Yep. And as a sometimes painful introvert, which I know you guys don't believe, but it's real. Um, I totally believe I, well, yeah, yeah, I know, too. Because you know, my favorite plans who, are canceled plans, okay? Yeah, right? <laughs> like, sometimes something rescheduled, so I'm like, oh, thank God. But um, that happens. Uh, and I feel like there's a lot of us who, who feel the same way, that every time I'm, you know, in what's supposed to be my rest time, and I get a text or an email or something that I'm like, ugh. Like, I feel like I should do it now or I'm going to forget about it. And especially when you're just starting out, there's kind of this this illusion of scarcity. Like, if I don't respond to these things immediately, then they're not going to be my clients yes. anymore. Yes. But I'm starting to find out that boundaries are so freeing Yeah. because mm-hmm. you're right. Like, I, I'm reading yes. a lot about follow-up and um, productivity right now because, you know, the first part of my business was so messy because it was all just focused on okay we'll go find people go find people go find people and now I have all these people and I'm like oh no like I gotta follow up with these people and maintain relationships but only with the ones that I want to right so how do I set boundaries how do I maintain them and it's really freeing being like you know what I don't check my email until I get into the office yeah. yep like the like I don't check my email during my workouts like I don't pull my phone out during my workouts yeah. like you know, things like that. Or, you know, after 930 at night, I'm not even going to look at my phone anymore because none of this stuff is pressing. I even just deleted um, Instagram and Facebook off of my phone so that I can set a boundary of, okay, I'm going to check Facebook because I do get a lot of business off of there, but it's going to be 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at lunch, and then 10 minutes in the evening. It's not going to be this constant. Every time I get a notification, I have to look at this. There's no finance emergencies too. Yeah. Which is awesome. So it's so it's so cool. Like and and like Kaylee, I, I kind of think of you as a mentor, even though we're in like slightly different industries. But that's something that's so helpful to me to be like, okay, if I want a business and if I want standards that look like that, that I'm allowed to set boundaries right off the bat that say what I will and won't allow. Yeah. And people, honestly, I think people respect you a little bit more. Yeah. When you're firm and say this is what I want. If yeah. you don't fit within these guidelines, you don't fit within my business. Right. right. You know? yeah, that's really, absolutely. really cool. So I, I very much appreciate <coughs> that that's me. something you do um, because I think sometimes when a lot of us don't have work-life balance when we start off with, I mean, we talked about it over and over and over again, um, but sometimes that, that self-care piece that I talk about is just being willing to turn yeah. it off so that you can give each part of your life 100%. Yeah. 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 And I don't have any no- notifications on my phone. Yeah, I, really. I have like, turned off my notifications on all social because it's too distracting. It too interrupts tempting. you from whatever brain yeah. pattern you were in. Yep. So like, yeah, yeah. I th- I talk a lot about setting boundaries in in the in the term of you teach people how to treat you. Yeah, uh, and that includes your clients. And almost every time I I give a lesson on that, I have somebody come back and tell me that they've gotten more business because they were more intentional about teaching people how to treat you because people are going to respect you more if you respect yourself at first. It's so hard because you have to constantly reinforce that boundary too, because people are going to test it. And even unintentionally too. Oh yeah, for sure. I have friends who text me all the time. Well, they did back in the day that were like, Hey, I have a quick tax question, but I will tell you that like after six and a half years of always saying no, Mm -hmm. I don't get those texts anymore. Right. I get an email that I can respond to on Monday. Right. But you have to be so deliberate and, and vigilant. 
So my struggle with this is, uh, is funny because I was talking to my husband about this because somebody at Level Up, Kathleen, who's wonderful. Mm-hmm. We love I Kathleen, love Kathleen. She's fab. Was talking about. I don't know her, but I'm sure she's great. She's wonderful. <laughs> she is. Um, she is an incredibly passionate, hardworking lady. Um, but um, her, she's been married for a long time. I've been married for a long time. And now in the stage of her business, growing her business, like, that was a change in her marriage. And so I started talking to my husband about it, about what changes went through when I left my job and started a business, how has things changed? And it really made me relook at my boundaries and my self-care because he said something to me that I like just repeats in my head. He said, you're either working or in a vegetative state. Because I just go, 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 and then have to shut down. And I said, that, What are you doing to yourself? That is ridiculous. I didn't recognize that I was doing it. Thank God my husband's open and honest and would tell me that. So I'm in the process now of all the things that I need to be like, I'm redefining everything about my life right now. Um, but I'm in the process now of saying, Okay, so how do I, how do I create better boundaries and take better care of myself? Because I think, um, it is a misnomer that you have to beat yourself up and work yourself to the bone to find success. Yeah. Um, because you said it, Kaylee, there's, it isn't an equivalent hard work and success if you're working yourself to where the hard work isn't quality. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I just say that I really like that you have no problem swearing on this show, but you had to spell out job. J-O-B. <laughs> so I just need to, to call some attention to that. Side note. Real quick. Um, yeah, but I, we, we've been thinking about this a lot. I've been talking about it with Cameron because I think that there's an idea in all of our respective businesses and anything that's kind of, you know, anything that has a, a sales um, base to it that we're willing to put ourselves out of balance in the short term, um, work really, really, really hard, neglect other parts of our life so that we can eventually be out of balance in the other direction and spend more time and energy than normal people get to um, with our family and with our friends and on vacations and relaxing and doing all of that stuff. Um, I think the hard thing is that we assume that if we do that, then we will reach success quickly and then we can bounce back. But if you look at people who are really successful, that's so rarely the case. A lot of times it's a way longer road it takes a long time and consistent effort so then the question is are you putting yourself out of balance permanently um or is it better to just figure out how to make consistent efforts how to build your business but also build in the parts of your life that make you happy and sane so you still end up living your life Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean you can't work hard but you have to be more efficient about what that looks like yes the idea of just burning myself out over and over and over again with the idea that if I do that enough times in a row, I'm going to be successful and then I don't have to do that anymore. Um, Sometimes that's a really harmful, (laughs) harmful idea in in my opinion anyway. And I think it goes back to what you were saying before is is women just operate differently than men. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying men are dumb. But they certainly. Um, <laughs> if you saw her face, that's gonna, <laughs> I'm just saying that's going to be a yeah. different podcast. Yeah. Are men dumb? Like, uh, <laughs> but you're right. They don't think about this. And there's so many times where I've said to my husband, like, "How long can you keep this up? How how long can you keep this up? You know." Yeah, and uh, so I love men. I married one. They're great. Yeah, me too. But they go about things in a completely different way. Yeah. And so when you're in a, in a workforce 
like you, Danae, where you're looking around at all these dudes killing themselves 60 hours a week over 60 weeks. You're like, God, is this gonna? Am I, is this the life that I have to live to be successful in this business? And and what Kaylee is saying is, no, no, you get you get to decide how you're gonna do it. And that's not message isn't just for you, but Sarah, you needed to hear that too a year ago for sure. Oh, good, big time. Yeah, I've I've known so many other accountants that when I tell them that I don't work weekends even in tax season, they're like, what? And it's just because I've defined that boundary. Mm-hmm. And along those same lines, that may, means that I have to be more deliberate about how I spend my working time. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm working really hard on clients who aren't going to pay the bills, then I am going to have to work longer hours. Right. So curating those boundaries also comes along with setting really intentional goals for how I spend the time that I am working to make sure that I'm not, like you were saying, throwing anything off balance in that because if I'm charging the right amount, then I can keep that boundary Mm -hmm. because my price is set by my capacity, not the other way around. Megan's holding up a preach. Preach. Well, I mean, it's something that I work with business owners all the time on is how did you arrive at your price? Oh, Mm -hmm. I just pulled it out of thin air or it's what my competition's doing. And it's like, okay, so are you running your business just like your competition? Why would you expect that your price should be in alignment with your competition? And we can do a deep dive on that at a different time. But uh, fact is, is that in order to be my best when I'm in my working hours, I have to be deliberate about how that time is spent just as much about how I'm spending my time outside of work because yeah, I can yeah. burn out really easily by doing a bunch of stuff that isn't going to make my business successful. Right. So you got to be careful with that. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Um, last thing I just want to talk about to give Katie, Kaylee a little shout out. Talk to um, everybody about that certification that you're doing because I think that's bomb. And oh. I want you to... Yeah, so... Um... In the spirit of self-care, I am always learning. I'm a lifetime learner, and currently I am actively pursuing, and by the end of the year, going to take the exam to become a certified valuation analyst, which will mean that I can um, help business owners to get a actual certified statement of what their business is worth Mm -hmm. that they can um, take to a bank for a loan or they can take on Shark Tank and not look like an asshole when Mark Cuban starts grilling them. (laughs) I always wonder how they find those numbers. So thank you for whatever that may be. Um, And it's, uh, it's kind of paired with, I want to educate business owners on how we arrived at those numbers so that when they're going out and looking for investors, because I find that right now we're in this phase, particularly in Denver, where so many people are becoming entrepreneurs and they're creating startups and they're looking for investors and those pitches always fall apart in the numbers. So Mm -hmm. I'm creating a package that will help them to better understand those numbers and uh, speak confidently about them. I think that's absolutely invaluable, dude. And you will be phenomenal at that. There's a lot more applications for that too, than what you just listed, because it's really expensive to get a business valuation a lot of times. Um, And so bringing on a partner, having a partner leave going through divorce all of those scenarios too is really good to have that so um that is something that i totally more expensive to not have one oh yeah for sure (laughs) yeah for sure but it's uh, the reason it's really expensive is because it's important yes Um, and uh so i i'm totally behind what you're doing i think it's brilliant thanks 
Well, thank you so much, darling. You are an absolute sensation. Oh, I thanks. love, we connected right away and I just love the way your mind thinks. I've loved how you've grown your business um, and the perspective that you give um, is really exceptional. Thanks for so, having me, ladies. Thanks for coming. Where can our listeners find more about you? Uh, you can find our website at csaaccounting.com. And your personal cell phone number? Uh, nope. <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Leveled Up podcast. If you enjoy what we're doing here and it's helpful for you, make sure to check us out on everywhere podcasts can be found. Give us a like, comment, subscribe, follow, whatever your computer or phone lets you do. Everything's super helpful for us to get the word out about what we're doing and we definitely appreciate the support.